Our reading for this morning is from Ephesians chapter 3. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the saints, to grasp how wide and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. That's one of those readings that makes you want to add your amen, right, at the end of it. That, that's actually, the amen is part of the verse, but it fits so well because it fits as that kind of doxology, that song of praise that's returned to God for what he's done. And today, that's what we're focusing on. We're focusing on the love of God in Jesus and how amazing this love is. Um, we've been looking at CLC under construction and uh, through this construction project, I've been part of other construction projects, but for whatever reason, I've learned more in this construction project than I have in any of the other previous ones. Um, and I'll be honest, not all of it good, um, right, Pastor Luther? Um, we've gone through a lot of, uh, of iterations of, of different arguments and, and so on with builders and town and all that kind of stuff. Not always fun. So I appreciate all of you've been praying for that effort and the Lord will see us through to the end. But one of the things I've learned about is something called as-built drawings. And the as-built drawings are the building as it's actually constructed, right? And this is as opposed to uh, the architectural drawings, which are done in advance, and the building drawings, the ones that the builders are using to do all the things that they're doing. Those of you who are in the construction industry know about this. The rest of us, this is news. Um, and as-built drawings really are important because of two things. One, um, because they're the last step in the process for us before we get our certific certificate of occupancy. Right, so before we can occupy the building, the as-built drawings have to be completed. That's one reason they're important. The other one is in the future, um, so that if you go into uh, to some kind of a renovation project or whatever, you don't think that a wall that's non-weight-bearing is suddenly weight-bearing, right? Or a wall that you think is going to be empty when you cut into it, all of a sudden you find out it has important critical pipes inside, right? So the as-built drawings are the drawings of the building as it's actually built. You guys with me on this? All right, so I think this is a critical thing for us, not only because of, its, uh, of our efforts in Fishers, but, but really because it describes the way that the Bible talks about God's love in Jesus Christ. The Bible is the, the as-built drawings, the way that it actually is. The truth is we have conceptions and notions and ideas about how God's love is. We have conceptions and notions and ideas, and some of them maybe even are lofty, but the truth is the Scriptures tell us, the as-built drawings of Scripture tell us that it's far more than we could ever conceive of. That God's love for us is so vast that it's beyond all measure. That it's, that it's not only immeasurable, but that it takes strength for us to even figure it out. It takes strength for us to even probe that love, to probe the depths of his love. And, and so that's what we're going to do this morning. Is just spend a few moments together probing how deep the love of God is for us. And what we find is that it's, it's far more impressive than anything we could ever dream up. Well, the Apostle Paul starts off of this section of Scripture in Ephesians chapter 3, 
with this phrase, for this reason. Right? And again, I beat this drum a lot with you. Whenever you see a word that is a continuation word, like for this reason, or therefore, or since, you have to put it in context. Right? You have to put it in context to maintain the integrity of the scriptures. Because if you don't put it in context, well, the truth is, I could pull just about anything out of the Bible and make it say whatever I want. Because the Bible's a big book. Right? But to maintain the integrity of the message, the integrity of the word, we have to put it in context. So Paul starts off with, for this reason. And so we have to remember what's come before this in the book of Ephesians. And what's come before this is what Pastor Dan preached about last week, what I preached about the week before, about how our Lord Jesus has torn down the dividing wall of hostility between Jew and Gentile, and how God has, through his son Jesus, called all sons and daughters of every language, people, tribe, nation, and race, called all sons and daughters back to himself. Right? That God's love is for everyone. And as God's love is poured out on all, as God's love is poured out through us, then we, for this reason, praise God. So that's what the Apostle Paul is saying. Are you guys with me on this? For this reason, that God has called all sons and daughters home, for this reason, Paul says, I kneel before the Father. I worship my God and Father for what he has done. And then he says this, two different times, mentioning power and strength. He says, I pray that you will have power or strength in your inner being that Christ might dwell in you. Now, that seems kind of backwards, doesn't it? Right, as if maybe, maybe the Apostle Paul didn't know Luther's small catechism. Right? <laughs> Thanks for laughing at that joke. For those of you that don't know, the catechism was written 1,500 years after Paul died, so he didn't actually know about the small catechism. Right? It, it, but the, we usually say, you know, the love of Christ dwelling in us gives us strength and power. Right? So, so Paul here says that we might have strength that the love of God and Jesus might dwell in us. But notice that he puts it in the context of the work of God the Holy Spirit. And what he's doing is turning us from the work of the world. He's turning us from the, the ways that we think we have to prepare ourselves. He's even turning us from the excuses that we might make for expelling God from our lives, saying things like we're not strong enough or we're too weak or we're too broken. Instead saying, I pray that God the Holy Spirit will prepare your hearts will make you strong, will give you power so that Christ's love can dwell in you. It's what God is doing to prepare us for him. It's the way that God is working in each one of us through the power of his spirit. And then he goes on to say, I also pray that you will have the strength, that you will have the power, together with all God's saints, to grasp how wide and deep and long is the love of God in Jesus Christ. So he wants us to have strength to be able to grasp, be able to comprehend this love. Now think about that for a second. I, I hang out um, on a lot of youth athletic fields these days because of the ages of my kids. Right? And uh, the popular thing right now are the t-shirts, like most of them are Nike or Under Armour, and they have like trash talk statements on them. Right? And so there's like this seven-year-old kid and he's wearing a basketball shirt, and the basketball shirt says, um, pack a lunch, this is gonna take you a while. <laughs> right? And I'm like looking at the kid, I'm like, no, it won't. <laughs> He's seven, by the way. Yeah, I'm real tough. Right? But, but that's actually what the Apostle Paul is saying here. Not, not trash talking. But he's actually saying that the love of God is so deep. It's so wide. It's so long. It's so high. That it's going to take you a while to grasp it. And so I pray that you would have strength to do it. 
that you'd have strength to probe its depths, that you'd have strength to see how immeasurably great it is. And he says it this way, strength with all the saints together. You see, that's the importance of us coming together, being together, to encourage one another, to walk with one another, to remind one another of the love of God in Jesus. What he tells us by saying that we'd have strength together with all the saints is that that which we otherwise would say is theoretical and just theological we see at work in the lives of his saints and it becomes practical and it becomes tangible. And so I want you to just do one thing from this sermon. The rest of it is just gonna be about praising God. But I want you to do one thing this week. I wanna encourage you to find a brother or sister, someone that you respect and trust. And I just want you to ask him a simple question, some variation of this. What has God's love done for you? Or how have you seen God's love at work in your life? And now some of you are like, Whoa, that means somebody might ask me that question. It's okay if you don't have a story about being rescued from the edge. Because what we learn is that in Jesus Christ, the love is for all. For those who walk down the middle of the road. And for those who are at the edge. And so hear about that love in the work, in the, in the work of God in the lives of the saints in the lives of those who are gathered around you, and hear about it as it's written for us in the Scriptures. And the Apostle Paul says, I pray that you'll have strength to test how, how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And you know, when he wrote those words, I don't think he was just trying to make a geometric shape. He was just trying to say, oh, okay, see, now we have a perfect cube. Isn't that great? God's love is a perfect cube that he had God's love in its various forms in mind as he wrote that. And so I started thinking about the measurements of each one. The first one is how wide is the love of God in Jesus Christ. And I started saying, well, well that's the measurement of breadth, right? That's the measurement of how far in can I go into the love of God in Jesus. And I started thinking, you know, that's faith. That's the faith that God works in each one of us. And a question that in those difficult moments of life we ask, like, is it, is it deep enough that I can hide inside? That I can go so far inside that I'm safe and that I have a refuge and that I know that the enemy can't attack me because I'm, I'm safe inside. And I want you to think about a man that we call King David in the Old Testament. Remember that before he was king, he was in service to another king named Saul. And Saul appreciated his service so much that from time to time, in a fit of rage, he would throw spears at, at David. Not figurative spears, literal spears, trying to kill him, throwing spears at him. And then later on, advanced his plans to try to hunt David down to the point where David had only one significant ally, and that ally was Saul's own son, a man named Jonathan. And in the midst of all of that, of being pursued by a real enemy who really wanted to take his life, a real enemy who really was trying to to, uh, thwart the work of God in his life, David still wrote psalms that spoke about God being his refuge and his strength, about God being a, a strong tower and a fortress, about God being one in whom he could rest and reside knowing that the enemy would not prevail against him. We're reminded through the life of a saint like David that the love of God for us, witnessed in our faith, is deep enough that we can hide inside in those difficult moments. But I also began to say to myself, well, what about those who don't feel like they're all the way inside? 
What about the ones who aren't hiding all the way in the recesses of faith? What about the ones who are just at the surface? What about those times when our faith doesn't seem that strong? Am I still safe in the love of God and Jesus? The nearest example I could come up with is bulletproof glass. I had the opportunity one time to be in an SUV that was, had bulletproof glass. And had this, this thing weighed like 15,000 pounds. And the, glass is, the glass is like an inch and a half thick on either side. And so me being me, I'm saying to the guy who's driving, I'm like, so you're telling me someone could shoot at this glass. I could see the bullet like, and it wouldn't hurt me? And he's like, yeah, the enemy could be right there. I thought to myself, what a true picture of faith. That even those moments when we feel like the enemy is right in our view, when Satan attacks with all of his cunning and wiles, when Satan attacks to try to thwart the work of God in our lives, we are reminded from the scriptures that Satan is a defeated enemy, that Jesus Christ has triumphed over him, and so we are safe even just on the surface. Because that's, that's how wide the deep the love of Christ is. But Paul doesn't just give that measurement, does he? He also talks about how long the love of God is, the length of this love. And so I started thinking about what's the measurement of length. Measurement of length is love for our fellow man. Then wait a minute, I thought this was about the work that God does. Right, remember what Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2, to do good works which God has prepared in advance for us to do. That as we demonstrate the love of God, we actually are the love of God. That it's extended through us to other people. And how wide is that love? How long does it extend? So far that even enemies, and even avowed enemies, can come to the table of Christ together. That our prayer is that all would know that and that we would demonstrate it. And not only that enemies would, but that otherwise people who have no relation with one another would suddenly become brothers and sisters in this love. Some of you have heard that we sent about 50 people from our congregation down to New Orleans for the National Youth Gathering this summer. And not all of us went down as participants. Some of us went down as those who were leading the gathering. And those who were leading the gathering, we were there for a couple days before and a couple of days after. We were the last ones to leave New Orleans. So like they're taking down the Welcome Lutherans signs and we were still there. And we were walking down the street in the afternoon just as we were about to leave and there was a guy, guy seated on the ground who was homeless. He didn't have enough clothes to clothe his entire body. He was a younger guy. What was unique about him was two things. The first one was that he had a backpack full of goods that were all out in front of him. And it was a backpack from the gathering. All 25,000 youth who attend the gathering get the same backpack. It's a pretty cool image, by the way. 25,000 kids walking through a city all with the same identifier. And this guy had that backpack. And it was given to him. And it was clear that it was given to him because of, of the loot that was all spread around him. And I know exactly what happened. A youth group saw this guy seated there and somebody said on their way out, hey, how much food do you guys have? And everybody grabbed all the leftover granola bars and fruit from the hotel that they had taken and candy bars and all that kind of stuff. And they packed it all into this one bag along with the Bible that had been given and they gave it to this guy. And we have been telling the youth, both from the main stage and in the Bible studies, that you're gonna be an echo of something in life. And so why not be an echo of the love of Jesus? First thing that was unique was that he had the backpack. The second thing that was unique was that he had a big smile on his face. He heard an echo 
of the love of Jesus. That's how long the love of God reaches. That it brings two people who otherwise wouldn't be in a relationship into a relationship where they know that they are brothers and sisters loved by the same heavenly father. That's love of man. That's Christ's love and how long it is, but that's not all that Paul does, right? Then he starts to talk about the height of the love of Jesus. And I I started saying in my mind, the height of the love of Jesus, that's his glory, isn't it? That's his glory demonstrated in our lives, the glory for which we give him praise, right? Because God's love isn't just for us when we're in bad times. It's not just for us when we're in difficult moments of life. It's also for us when we're on mountaintops. When you say to yourself, I love my spouse. When you say to yourself, I'm so proud of my kids. When you say, I love my job. When you say, I I like my car. Any of those moments that cause you to give praise to God for what he has done through and in you, those are mountaintop moments when you're praising God for his glory. And what you begin to discover in those moments of praise is that his love is even greater than you thought it was. Now, I always assume that this is a safe place when I preach. You can correct me on that assumption later. But today I'm going to confess to you that I am addicted to the Olympics. I mean, I'm addicted to the Olympics. Like I watch, every, like dressage, that's equestrian events in case you didn't know. See, I watch not just the track and field and swimming, I'm talking everything, okay? And I love watching the events where somebody didn't expect to win a medal and they do, like they win a bronze medal, they were expected to be like seventh place and they're just filled, right? They're exuberant because of what happened. And I love when they stick a microphone in their face and the person says something like, now, I want to praise God for what he's done for me. And I love when they do that for the bronze medalist. Because the bronze medalist didn't win. And still gives praise to God. The bronze medalist recognizes that this is their mountaintop. That this is their moment. When they say, wow, I didn't expect this. Isn't God amazing? It's those moments of surprise. And you give praise And you realize how high is the love of Jesus that it even far exceeds this. This is his glory. But his glory is best on display when we see him the way he wishes to be seen, isn't it? When we see the height of the cross. And that there, as we look up gazing on the cross, we see his glory as he has humbled himself, taking on the form of a servant for us. And that as we see Jesus on the cross, we realize that's his glory. And it far exceeds anything that we could ever hope for or imagine. But then that also brings us to his last place of measurement, doesn't it? Into the depth of his love. And the depth of his love, that's his forgiveness. And how far down does his forgiveness go? We'll turn back to David, who wrote in Psalm 139, If I make the grave my bed you are there. And no matter what we have done, and no matter what we might say is unforgivable in our lives, those things that we might say, yeah, but, but if somebody knew about this, it's so embarrassing to me. It's precisely then when we learn about the depth of the love of God in Jesus Christ. And that we would know, know that we are forgiven not once, not twice, but what does the New Testament say? 70 times 7. That we are we are forgiven far more than anybody ever should be. 
that this is what God has done for us. And brothers and sisters, Paul says, I pray that you'll have the strength to be able to grasp each one of these measurements, that you'll be able to grasp the breadth and the length and the height and the depth of the love of God in Jesus Christ, or as Paul says, that you'd be filled with the fullness of God. Filled with the fullness of God. That you would know the surpassing greatness of what God has done. That this is the the highest superlative that you can imagine. That this is something that's going to take you a while to realize. And if you allow me just to be cheesy for a second, what you begin to realize is that that these as-built drawings are something in which you can rejoice. Because they gain you that certificate of occupancy in paradise of God. And that there as you dwell in his presence, you see his love on display. And so until then, we have the opportunity to see it together with all the saints. And that his love is meant to leave us breathless and speechless. That his love is meant to fill us with wonder and awe at who our God is and what he has done for us. And so it leaves us with the Apostle Paul saying, Now to him that is God who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. And let God's people say, Amen.